So uh, Kim and I just finished up our watch of Next Generation. And uh, so we're going to start watching Deep Space Nine now. I kind of gave her the choice of what we were going to do. And uh, we decided right. on, on Deep Space Nine. What, what were your options? The, that Well, uh, I told her she could do any of them. And she kind of said probably either Voyager or Deep Space Nine. And oh, okay, that's fair. We talked about it a little bit more and kind of settled on, on Deep Space Nine. But so... I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a correction section sort of on ourselves because uh, we don't really we're not really popular enough for people to be writing emails yet to talk about all the stuff that we have gotten wrong about Deep Space Nine. But I would say just watching the pilot did provide uh, some background to some of the questions I think we had in terms of like how the ship is or how the space station is organized uh. and all that stuff. So it is and maybe you did know some of this because I'm using the first season, but some of the stuff I was kind of unclear on. So uh it is a Bajoran, I think. And I, see, I should have I should have double checked this. It's it's either a Bajoran or a Cardassian, but I think it's originally a Bajoran space station that the Cardassians were occupying, and then kind oh, of right. as okay. yeah, and, and then as the the Starfleet was interacting with uh, Cardassia, they kind of reached the ceasefire thing, and so the Cardassians were withdrawing from Bajor after occupying it for a long time, and basically the idea was that. Uh, Bajor, the new the new Bajoran government, kind of is interested in being uh, in the Federation of Planets, but they don't meet all of the qualifications yet to be a planet. So I think you have to like you know be a united. <laughs> you have to be a united planet first. And okay. If I thought thing. you meant they were like Pluto or something. No, no, no. It's like there's like rules about like because there, there we just watched Kim and I watched like a TNG episode about this too. That there's there are rules about um, like things you have to have accomplished as like a species or as a planet before you can join up. Hmm. Uh, So they're not quite there yet. And so Starfleet, they asked Starfleet to come and have a presence in the, in the space station to kind of help out the, uh, the Bajorans and kind of make sure that everything kind of stays on track and hopefully they can, you know, interfere with the Cardassians attempts to interfere with them to a degree. And, some of that, all that stuff. And so that's why, uh, you know, th- that's that's why, like, for example, Quark is still just hanging out is because it isn't a Starfleet space station. It's a Bajoran space station and Starfleet is oh, just so. kind of like working there. And so they actually do have money and he does, you know, he does like do business with people from in and out of Starfleet because it's not a Starfleet thing. And th- that's also why like Kira and, Qu- and Quark or sorry, Kira and Odo, I mean, both have the um, those, like, different uniforms throughout the show, like the... Oh, so they're not officially, like, Starfleet officers. Yeah, they're with they're with Bejar, at least at the beginning of the show. Interesting. And, okay. um, so yeah, that's why they kind of have the weird uniforms and stuff. So, that did... I think we, we had talked so much about, like, why is Quark allowed to be here, and <laughs> some of the organizational structure things, so... Yeah, I guess that, that makes is, it make more sense. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I will I, if I if I hear if I see more things where I'm like oh that we were wrong about that too I'll I'll uh, call them out as as we go through the show. Hi and welcome to Out of Contracts, a show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard and I'm Brady Jungle. And this week we are talking about the Deep Space Nine Season 5, Episode 21, Soldiers of the Empire. The, uh, the little s- summary on Memory Alpha is, 
After Worf becomes first officer of a Klingon bird of prey commanded by General Martok, he is caught between loyalty up to his commander and loyalty to the crew. Now, now actually, before we keep going, I, I did want to quick just shout out that we are part of a podcast network now. We're part of the Kaleidoscope. Yeah, <laughs> we're part of the Kaleidoscope uh, Media Network. Uh, there are... Uh, three other shows on the network besides us. There's That's Not How Science Works, which is kind of a um, kind of t- taking a look at like pop culture and applying real scientific analysis to it in terms of would that work? How does this work? Is this accurate or inaccurate? That kind of a thing. Um, and uh, then there's Here's Johnny, which is a podcast about horror topics like horror movies and books and, and games and things, kind of analyzing that stuff. And then there's uh, Wizard Studies, which is a show about uh, uh, about Harry Potter and kind of related topics to that. So uh, those are all f- fun shows. If you like any of that stuff, you should definitely uh, go take a listen to them. And I think, you know, some of those folks will be on our show uh, every now and then, you know, coming up here. And same same uh, the other way. I think we'll, we'll, we'll probably make an appearance or two on some of the, their episodes as well. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing for the show. Uh, hopefully it will... Uh, get our names out there a little bit more, but uh, you should also check out those other those other shows too because they're good. Yeah, there. There's a little something for everybody. Um, kind of whatever your interests are. They there's uh, some some good episodes, some some fun conversation and. Well, yeah, I still want. Uh, I, I I did pitch to the to the wizard studies folks the idea of making you watch like the last Harry Potter <laughs> movie or something just to see. Deathly Hallows Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> Because you, as if uh, I don't, have we talked about this before on the show that you've never read those books or seen the movies or anything like that? I don't think we have on the show. Um, okay. I've read, I have read the first two books. Oh, okay. And I've seen the Fantastic Beasts movie. Okay, the which first one. served, I feel like, as its own out of context introduction to that world. Yeah. But um, yeah, yes, the first one, not the. <laughs> we we did I think talk about the at least the name of oh, Fantastic the of... Beasts the Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was on our first episode, I think maybe. Was it really? Yeah. I was just gonna say, speaking of uh um made up names, I guess we'll use this to transition into so I had this idea for a a new game show that we that we do on this on our podcast, in which mm-hmm. you are the contestant and I am the host called Have We Met This Klingon Before? And and now it has a theme song. Yep. <laughs> that was me but, doing a really bad job trying to do the Family Feud theme song. Was that Family Feud? That, yeah. that was what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> but, so basically how this will work is anytime we come across an episode that has a, a Klingon other than Worf, because um, I, I think you, you're probably pretty good at recognizing Michael Dorn by now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we'll have to institute rules that you will not be allowed to do any um, like looking up of, of that Klingon yes. or the actor okay. or any of that beforehand. Um, and I, I will just to be able to fact check, because I don't presume to immediately know all of these things myself. Um, and then at some point during the episode, I will ask, is this a Klingon that we in any of the episodes we've done on this podcast yet uh have we encountered this specific klingon before we might need to do a variant of this too maybe maybe i'll do it with you so you you, you can ask me the klingons and then we might, we might have to do another show called 
is this a Cardassian we've seen before? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that that'll be that will be even harder. I feel. But, yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Kim and I were watching the, the pilot, and I was like, "Oh, that guy. I'm pretty is, sure he's been is, on the show before because I recognize his name." Yeah. But I was like, after seven seasons of TNG, I'm kind of starting to be able to tell some Klingons apart. Some but Klingons, but now I have to do it all over again with Cardassians. You know? There you go. Uh, anyway, so so yes, yeah, so our our inaugural episode. Have we met General Martok before? Yes. So uh, I and I actually I would I don't think I would have been able to recognize him by face, but I remembered his name. Okay. And he is the which is kind of interesting. This is a this is kind of a weird, interesting thing about watching it out of context is that I think there would have been maybe a little bit more suspense about what was going to happen on the episode had I been watching this in order, because I know that he he's in the very first episode we did. Yes. Uh, and, and so I knew that he wasn't going to die or anything like that in this yeah. episode. Yeah, and also because in that one he's sort of has this reputation as a like a really good general and great leader. So you kind of have the sense that he's going to sort of find his sea legs again. Right. Because you know he goes on to be like the greatest general the, the Klingons have uh, mm-hmm. by the end of the show. Now, I don't think we've seen any of these other guest Klingons before. Those ones, yeah, him. I didn't actually fact check those ones because I just assumed that we hadn't. Um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, Martok, yeah, he's he's the general who kind of ends up uh, he ends up being the whatever the king of the Klingons is, whatever that's called. He he ends up being yeah. that I think at the end of at the end of that episode that we watched, uh, you know, right right before the end of Deep Space Nine. So um, I did remember him and. Uh, so it did. It did. It affected how I, how I viewed the episode a little bit. But it, yeah, I I don't. I, I don't think I would have been able to place him visually. But the name stuck with me. Whereas, like, I don't remember Worf's brother's name, but I think I could probably visually place him. And then Gowron, I remember both his name <laughs> and what his face looks like. So because of the he's he, he uh, for any of our listeners who don't know, he's the one that my dad refers to as the hyperthyroid Klingon because <laughs> he's the one with the um, big bulging eyes that are very noticeable. Yes. So we were texting a little bit about this. We try not to keep... We, we, never, yeah. we try to text about this stuff too much because we want to come and do it fresh. But I am excited to talk about this because I think we might be at a disagreement about whether this is a good episode or not, which is kind of the first, I guess the last Klingon episode we did was kind of like that too, but I think a little bit less so from, from what, from what we had, you know, talked about. So, you know, how what did you, how do you, how did you feel about this episode? So this, and and it may be just because um, it is interesting to do this right on the tails of, uh, of blood oath, because this, I feel like is our, our second, episode uh that's very klingon heavy klingon kind of culture and lore and also involves a in my mind at least a whole lot of people sitting around talking and no actual action happening Mm -hmm. so yeah i i kind of found this one to be nothing special and then to skip the potentially interesting and exciting part of the episode like like you were talking about like when they do attack the Gemini. Well, yeah, when they actually like, we don't you know, risk the other ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, I I literally wondered if like something something wrong happened and I and I missed that part because if we if we're gonna skip ahead to to the end, um, they're they're coming up on this big potential conflict and trying to decide whether to to enter into battle or not, 
and they make their decision, and they decide they're going to go into battle, and then the very next scene is back on Deep Space Nine, they're arriving back home being like, congrats, we won the battle! <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And then that's the episode. But uh, let's, I guess, go back to the beginning before we get there. Well, yeah, before we get into the top, I would say I really liked this episode. Uh, and I think sometimes it... Honestly, like sometimes it has less to do whether an episode is good or bad is whether I'm in the mood for some Star Trek and whether I'm really high on Star Trek at the time. And I definitely okay. was feeling Star Trek positive when I watched this episode. But I just really, I really thought this was a pretty fun episode and it had a good couple of character spotlights and not not perfect. I have a lot of like m- most of my uh, notes for this episode are kind of how does that work? But I, <laughs> I, there's, I think it's a good character piece and I think it also. There's one other thing I really like about it that we'll kind of get to as we as we go on, but yeah, why don't, why don't you take us take us in? But so, the, so this episode opens on uh, General Martok, who is a Klingon general that, if I understood kind of the exposition right, uh, him and Worf were both captured by the Dominion, and so they they met in this Dominion prison camp, and then they sort of escaped together. They like helped each other break out. Was that sort of the impression you got from... Yeah, that's what I kind of figured. Worf kind of says that at one point he was kind of thinking about sort of suicide by gladiator battle. And uh, and Martok kind of talked him out of it, sort of. Yeah, inspired, like just like inspired him to, to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so General Martok now is, is on Deep Space Nine, and he... We get the scene at the beginning where he's in sick bay and and Doctor Bashir is uh, kind of chiding him for for getting injured on the holodeck um, because as we've brought up before, why would you ever be on the holodeck and not have the safety protocols? So uh, I, I, this is actually kind of a corollary to Brady's medical corner. This scene, uh, and it's not necessarily about any kind of medical malady. It's just that as he's leaving, um, as 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 Martok is leaving. Uh, Bashir said that basically that he doesn't like it when he, people come in who are bleeding because it gets blood on the carpet. And I did yes, think myself. I remember why, this. <laughs> why? Why is there carpet in there? Let's not. I remember having that exact same thought of just like, why in the world do you have carpet in like an operating room? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe that's not a big thing for Bajorans. Maybe, maybe that is a, a Bajoran thing of they, their operating rooms have carpet. For have some carpet. That's right. Well, anyway. time will tell. Um, and so, so then uh, Martek goes out and sort of meets up with Worf, and you and you find out that um, he wasn't actually on the holodeck, but that him and Worf were kind of training to try to get his his skills as a warrior uh, back up. And uh, this is where he he tells Worf that he's been offered um, to sort of rejoin the the Klingon military and take command of a ship that's going on a mission to rescue uh, another Klingon ship that was lost in kind of out where the Dominion are, I guess. Mm -hmm. The Dominion still being this vague thing that I think we kind of don't completely understand, but they, my understanding is they came from the, is it the Gamma Quadrant? I always get the beta and Gamma Quadrant. Yeah, they came from the Gamma Quadrant and then they're allied with the Cardassians. So the the, the the ship they're looking for, which is called the Bamoth, it's in Cardassian space, they think. Yeah. Um, and so he asks uh, Worf to come with him on this mission as the first officer of his ship. And the, their ship is called the Rotaran, 
Yes. Oh, we should say, too, before we get too far into it, that this episode is written by Ronald D. Moore, who is, I think, believe one of the creators or showrunners of the show, and then it's directed by LeVar Burton. So, is it really? I didn't know yeah. that. Nice. Uh, anyway, uh, just worth worth noting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they so they come aboard the um, the Rotaran, their their ship, uh, and they and then um, as they're coming aboard, Worf finds out that Jedzia Dax is actually coming with them as well mm-hmm. as the is she the science officer? Yeah. Now this is something too that's worth worth noting, which is that I realized that we've been doing this show for almost a year, and I didn't know until I looked it up this episode what Worf's job is in Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah. Do you know? I mean, do you know without looking it up? No, I don't. Again, because I, I've until we started doing this, I, I like was aware that he joined the show in later seasons, but but I've never seen any episodes with him in them until we. So have done it, some, but. His job is, I believe, it's like the strategic operations commander or something like that. He's he's a okay. he basically because because uh, this is you know a Star, Starfleet is kind of hanging out in this area of space to help out more than it is because it's Starfleet space. He is basically in charge of all Starfleet operations in this sector, kind of like in ter- in terms of like coordinating it and that kind of a thing which is why they're all looking at like intelligence reports later on when he's not there interesting um so yeah so Worf and dax come aboard the ship and they go off on their mission and what we're kind of shown over the next several scenes is a few things about the ship so first that this is a ship that has lost every battle it's been in and so the whole crew is very kind of fatalistic about this and you know they they feel like they're they're worthless and they're no good. Uh, one of them even says that the ship is cursed and they just sort of assume that they're going to lose every battle because that's what they've always done. Um, and so, uh, you know, the new, I forget who it is that I think it's Worf and it's either Worf and the captain or Worf and Dax that are talking about this, that say, you know, what they really need is to get a good victory to kind of build their confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that, quickly becomes apparent is that General Martok is still he's portrayed as being I think the perception is of him being either gun shy or even kind of afraid of the Dominion because he had been captured by them before he keeps he avoids conflict with the Dominion which is a very unklingon thing to do right and uh, it's worth noting too just so the 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 People he's specifically afraid of in in the Dominion aren't. It's not the Cardassians, and it's not like the Changelings or whatever Wayun is or whatever. It's it's the Jem Hadar specifically, who I don't think we've actually seen on the show yet. But they're they're a recurring kind of like kind of like Yurikai type things. I think um, where they're yeah they manufactured they, soldiers. Yeah, is kind of how they're they're described. Is they're either like genetically bred or in some way, like, the Klingons don't feel like they are, say that they're kind of these, like, mindless, all they do is fight, and they don't do it for glory, they just do it because that's what they're trained or programmed to do. Yeah, and and, and the, the Jem'Hadar were the people who were running the camp where Worf and Martok were, which is why Martok is afraid of them. Um, and so, and I will say, in, kind of in this part, and so they, they even get to, a, you know, at first it starts with, there's a a nebula that's between them and 
where they're going and instead of flying straight through it because Martok is afraid that there will be Jem'Hadar ships kind of hiding within the nebula, they decide to take the long way and go around it. And then I think later on there's even a point where they they see a Jem'Hadar ship that looks like it's by itself and instead of kind of fighting it and destroying it because he's worried it may be a trap or an ambush, they just avoid it and, and move on. And this, this is kind of the point where when I got thinking about this, I feel like Bartok's actually not being a bad commander. Like, he's actually making yeah. tactically good decisions. They're just not Klingon decisions. Right, well, yeah, <laughs> you know there's, I mean? there's one point at which he very clearly makes the wrong decision, but that doesn't come up until until later. Like, you know, when it comes to actually rescuing the ship to and kind of chickens out. But then, yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Like, before that, it's kind of like, I think I wrote down, you know, uh, I mean, I didn't, but... Yeah, I said, I said, yeah, I did. I worked on Martok is right to do this. Like, Yeah, because they're, they have a specific mission to rescue this other ship. So, so it is. And it's an unnecessary like risk and waste of around. time. Yeah, you know, so it'd be, it would be an unnecessary risk and it'd be a waste of like time and resources to go just like looking for fights on the way there. But sort of how it's treated is that that's very much not the Klingon way of doing things. You know, the right. Klingons are they consider anything other than like aggressively attacking anyone that they can to be cowardice. Dishonorable. Which is like, yeah, the worst thing that a Klingon can be accused of is being a, a, a coward. Mm-hmm. Which I guess, I don't know, we could get into the um, sort of that question of, uh, uh, and, you know, m- many pieces of art and literature have been dedicated to, to that question of, you know, kind of is bravery or cowardice defined entirely by just whether you seek out a fight or not or is there something something deeper or something else to it than that yeah um hmm. i mean yeah i mean obviously it's it is it's certainly contextual like there are times where like not fighting someone is like a brave thing to do uh certainly or even when even when fighting someone is like a cowardly thing to do but and i guess it, it also i think is something that we've kind of bumped up against a few times before of the you know the kind of the difference between what is simply a cultural thing and then what is what things are kind of universally i guess true or right would be the question right because you know this is something that within klingon culture is very much how their mindset is and how they behave and what's accepted in that culture but is it if it's bad tactics kind of what what should be done in that situation or what would be the right thing for martok to do that's that's really interesting that you brought that up because I I'm I'm really glad you did because I I wanted to talk about this I think this is one of this is the other thing I really really liked about this episode which is that I think maybe more than any other episode that we've done maybe even more than any other episode of the show that I've of like any of the Star Trek shows that I've ever seen this episode I think does a really good job at like actually exploring like the cultural differences between the Klingons and Starfleet and kind of just portraying it as just like another culture with another set of value systems that aren't necessarily good or bad. And, mm-hmm. and I, th- and I think it's just because everyone is bought in in like, because it's basically yeah, because almost it's... the whole episode is just the Klingons and Dax and Dax, as we, as we learned in the previous episode that we did is uh, she's like down to clown with Klingon stuff because she in her in her pat one of her past lives, she hung out with a bunch of Klingons and 
so she kind of knows how all their stuff goes and is pretty gung-ho for it and will yeah that is a good point is that kind of after the you know there's a scene at the beginning where there's a little bit of exposition where basically some some the ds9 cast members are all there so that they can appear on this episode and they they yeah. sort of explain <laughs> you know like this is how a klingon ship works and like the you know the only way someone can be removed from duty is if the person below them challenges them to a fight to the death and that's also the only way you can like advance in rank and they kind of explain sort of that framework but after from that point on the rest of the show is on the klingon ship and there's really no like outside perspective like even even dax who you would think would be kind of the like human perspective or the outside not human but the the non-klingon perspective is sort of one of the most enthusiastic proponents of the klingon way of doing things there she's she's more bought into the system than martok or warfar it seems like which is i think a really cool change and i i I think that is the thing about it is because it's such a living perspective it works because i think most of the time you know the show wants you to be like oh well klingons they do have a unique and different culture that needs to be respected but then usually when you see them they're interacting with starfleet and someone from starfleet is like that's crazy like you're like that's that's not the right way to do this or or whatever and so i think kind of putting them in their vacuum and letting them dictate the logic of that story i think really helps that a lot uh because you don't have anyone kind of looking at it and saying well that's dumb you know or that's not that's not the way to do it or whatever i I think too it kind of they do give you some some like rationale for it too in the sense of yeah i think we both agree that like you know some of the stuff that martok does at the beginning is fine to do but the the problem is is that he is really fomenting uh dissent in his in his men to the extent where it almost kind of seems like they have like it almost kind of seems like they have like a genetic need for conflict that is not being like satisfied you know and yeah that they're kind of getting like a cabin fever type of yeah like they're they're starting to fight amongst each other and just sort of this something's like bubbling over in this crew yeah and 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 so you know it's like weirdly like it's one of the klingons that's not really respecting like the traditions of the klingon culture you know and and this is and there is kind of even though some of these things might be strategically the best things to do there are other reasons why it's probably a good idea to, you know, make some of these detours to blow up a Jem'Hadar Hadar ship or, or what have you. Yeah. So I really thought it was really kind of like respectful of that point of view, I think, in a way that the show is not usually, even though it kind of wants to be. So yeah. I really liked that a lot. Yeah, because I will say even, at least for me, like while watching it, like it does make it very easy for for the viewer even to kind of take that point of view without thinking about it. But like at, at the time I was watching it, I was just like, yeah, you know, go get that Jem'Hadar ship. And then you're disappointed when he doesn't. And you're just like, oh man, maybe Martok is a coward. And it was only after like kind of reflecting on it later that I'm just like, wait, no, he like actually was being a very like smart, you know, captain and taking care of his crew and following his mission. But at the time you kind of, again, because it's the only perspective you're presented with, you do kind of view things with the same, the same set of, of values that the Klingons are applying to them. I guess. Mm. So, yeah. So anyway, so they eventually, I'm trying to think if I'm skipping anything, um, but they, they eventually kind of after a series of these types of encounters and every time the crew is sort of never outright questions Martok, but either when they're talking amongst themselves or they'll kind of drop hints um, or Dax because she's she's much more engaging directly with the crew. She's in the mess hall with them and more picking up on this. But there's this sense that 
that the crew thinks that Martok's doing a bad job of being captain and, and is even getting to the point where they may uh, they may mutiny. Uh, and then they they end up coming to, to where the, the Bamoth, the ship that they're coming out to rescue, is. Uh, and then it turns out that it's actually, uh, it's just on the other side of this, uh, I guess, dividing line between, uh, like this border between their space and Cardassian space. So if they were to cross this border, then it would be, even though they, are they... And it, it, this is what I didn't get, because are they actually at war with the Cardassians and Jem'Hadar? Because if they were, then what would be the, the matter with, like, crossing the border if they're just going to be attacked? I, I'm not I 100% know. certain, to be honest with you. Uh, that's, what the that's, politics that's of a, that were. But, that's another, but that's one thing that will have to remain out of out of contracts for now. Yeah. Uh, um, but but either way, there's kind of this, this, line, like this line that they have to cross that they're either going to go across the line to rescue the ship and fulfill their mission... And that would potentially lead them into a battle. Um, and what Martok says, you know, Martok essentially is like, no, we're not allowed to cross that line, so we're just going to not rescue the Pamath. And it, he's afraid that it's that it's a trap, and he decides to just, just call off the whole thing and, and retreat, essentially. Uh, and that's that's kind of the last straw where Worf, because he's the, the next in like in command under Martok, he has to be the one to do this. And so he challenges Martok to a duel to take command of the ship. And, and we haven't really talked very much yet about like throughout this whole process, you know, you keep on seeing Worf and Jadzia checking with each other. And then you also see Worf check in with Martok. And there is this kind of Jadzia who, who kind of likes Martok, but doesn't know him that well is kind of, she's kind of saying, well, we got to get, we got to he's got to step up and you know take some initiative here because the crew is not doing well and the and Worf is kind of kind of knows that she's sort of right but also he likes Martok and doesn't want to he wouldn't want to challenge him and he is trying to respect him as a friend and and so he's kind of torn between kind of knowing what the Klingon thing to do is and wanting to you know be civilized towards his friend and so he which is why he kind of puts off on doing this for such a long time uh and uh, so it, it is kind of like a, it's a hard choice for him to have to to have to do this. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, and I, I, this is one of my favorite things about Klingons. I think is that at least every time we've seen this happen, it's always kind of in the same, uh, just sort of, it's almost like a routine type of thing that you know, Worf insults Martok and challenges him for command of the ship, and then they just kind of go right at it. Like right, there's yeah. really no <laughs> ceremony to it, and everyone just kind of like watches like this is just one of these meetings again um, yeah that, and so they just like jump straight into uh fighting each other with with knives um and uh and martok so what was the impression was your impression that work wharf sort of let martok win yeah like, well they say martok they stand? say that explicitly at the end too but i i i i was kind of feeling that way like because because obviously wharf is winning at the beginning it looks like it's a prayer and then he kind of leaves himself open for an attack at some point and that's when he gets stabbed in the gut and um and then at the end of the show when you see martok again he he basically says, "So, how did you know? How did you know I wasn't going to kill you?" I think, which I think is the the implication is basically that Worf kind of took a fall on on purpose because he, you know, he want he needed to challenge Martok to kind of get Martok to step up and be and get the confidence of his men and and to and to uh, and and women and to 
you know, to take command of the ship again, but he didn't actually want to kill him. And so he was kind of like, what's a way I can kind of get yeah. the crew energized and get Martek energized. And hopefully I'm going to make it out of here with my skin too, <laughs> you know, kind of threading this needle. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of takes a yeah. risk with it. Um, yeah. And then Martok, you know, the crew gets to see their captain win a victory. He sort of gets to feel that, that thrill. And then he is so kind of energized by that, that then he leads them into, into battle. Um, and then, like I said, then the next thing we see is, uh, Cisco at Deep Space Nine kind of welcoming them home as they're saying, we just won our battle. We rescued the crew of this other ship. It was a glorious day. Yeah. It- yeah, and then at the very end, uh, Martok and Worf have a conversation where basically Martok says, I know that you did that. And then he kind of says, you know, would you like to... Because that's something else I, we should talk about quick is that I, I, I think what has happened, it's, it's at some point... So do you do you remember do you remember uh, uh, Worf's discommendation from uh, Next Generation? No, I don't. So this was something that I like had this vague sense... Uh, that this was something that happened in the next generation, but I don't remember at all. Okay, kind of yeah. why why this is the case that he, Worf, was of like Moog is his is Worf's father, right? Yeah, Moog is his is his dad. Yeah, yeah, as like being of the house of Moog, but there is no house of Moog in the Klingon Empire. But again, but I, it's it's been so long since I watched Next Generation that I remember something like that happening, but I don't remember why. So essentially what, what happened is that uh, the reason why Worf was adopted by human parents is that his, his parents both died, I believe, in a Romulan attack on like a Klingon uh, outpost. And he, he, his dad was accused of basically being a mole for the Romulans. I hope I'm getting this exactly right, but I might not be getting it 100% right. But this, essentially, he's, he, was, mm-hmm. he was accused of being... Of conspiring to to aid the Romulans, and so his his uh, family was given a discommendation, which is basically that they were kind of like stricken from like the record of like honorable Klingons, and their house doesn't exist anymore. And you know, Worf and Worf's brother like don't have any honor anymore in the, in the Klingon Empire. And then, kind of as you go along through Next Generation, you find out that basically Worf's dad was framed, and it was actually somebody else who is related to someone who's on like the high council of the Klingon empire. And eventually that person is deposed and Worf and, and, and I believe Gowron takes over at that point And then Worf uh, gets his discommendation removed. But then I believe that this is the part that I'm not hundred percent sure about that, that I think in, in D space nine Worf does something that Gowron doesn't like. And then Gowron reinstates his, Oh, really? discommendation and so okay. i think that's kind of what they're talking about like him not having a house anymore is that they're kind of like oh actually well moog is actually persona non grata around here again and so that's kind of where that all comes from and so he basically says hey i know you're wearing your dad's crest but you know i you're you're welcome in my family my klingon family and i, I really appreciate like what you've you've done for me basically and it's a nice mm-hmm. like it's a nice klingon friendship moment which you don't see very many of i guess right. <laughs> and, yeah and then he also says to warp he says like how did, how did you know that I wasn't going to kill you when you did that? And he says, uh, I didn't. I, I thought he was actually going to say, oh, I, I saw that look, the... Oh, the... It's, yeah, it's because... It's Tova, Tova Dock is, that, is the word for that, which is the the moment of clarity between two warriors on a field of battle, uh, yeah. which we talked about earlier. And I, I thought he was going to say that, but um, he just says, yeah, oh, Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> kind of what they... 
they sort of imply that that's that it was a similar type of experience because they have the two of them really kind of look into each other's eyes mm-hmm. right before Worf sort of drops his guard. But yeah, but they never sort of explicitly reference, like call it by name again. Although listeners of this podcast may find themselves brave for having withstood classic episodes like the body switching, the enemy within, or the gothic witchy horror of Cat's Paw, we at the Here's Johnny podcast like to dive even deeper into the genre of horror. That's right, Justin. And even though you really dated yourself naming off two super old episodes of Star Trek, here on the Here's Johnny podcast, we review video games and films from all over the horror genre, looking at different subgenres like vampires, aliens, and zombies. And we compare the similarities and differences between the media. We also have discussion-based episodes, which range from interviews with people in the industry, deep dives into directors, and their filmography or analysis into video game timelines. Yeah, that fictional history of Resident Evil was quite the doozy. But be sure to check us out. You can find us on any podcasting site. We have new episodes every Monday, and our website is here's Johnny Podcast. W-I-X-S-I-T-E.com backslash horror. And on there you can find links to our episode feed, all our social media. It is all there. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. And stay scary. So yeah, I guess the that's the end of the episode. But uh, yeah, I, I I really liked it. I honestly like I, I definitely understand what you're saying about like there not being actually that much that happens and they skip over like the action scenes, I guess, but Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that I disliked this episode. I guess it was just it felt kinda slow and very like Klingon lore heavy to me. And mm-hmm. maybe it was because we had just had one that Sure, uh, sure. It didn't feel like that much of a change of pace to me. So uh, the thing we haven't talked about yet is that I think one of the reasons why I love this episode and I really did like it is, is cause Terry Farrell is so good in it. I like she is, uh, that's the actress who plays uh, Jadzia by the way, for yeah. anyone who doesn't know the name. So she is so like gung ho to like be part of this Klingon ship. And they kind of all, <laughs> yeah. all the Klingons look at her kind of like, Oh, what a wuss. And like, why are you here? You're only here because Worf's sleeping with you and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> she's just like, I'm not going to take any crap from anybody. I'm the science officer on the ship and I will beat you up. And yeah, she, also, she, beats, like, she like beats somebody up or like throws somebody out of her seat. And she's like, that's my chair. You sit on the ground. And it's not because she like actually is mad about it. She's just kind of like, this is this is what you got to do in Klingon society. Like this is how you get respect. This is how this person's disrespecting me, and I have to maintain respect. Yeah, like, she's she, kind of asserting dominance. Yeah, she really like is she's really adapting to the culture that she's been placed in, and she seems to also be having like a really good time too. Like you know, she, yeah, she does. they. You know that they, they haven't had any blood wine on their ship for a long time because usually I think I think because usually only they drink blood wine after you've successfully won a battle and then, but she brings a bunch of blood wine with her and she's drinking along with them and they're kind of after initial an initial round of kind of everybody kind of being suspicious of her then they all kind of like her afterwards because they're like oh yeah she's totally cool she she gets it you know yeah and and she's the one who's really kind of pushing Worf to like make a decision because she's really keyed into what's going on. I just, I thought she was just really charming in this and just a good performance and like a very, very fun. I really, really enjoyed watching her in this, in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. She did a really good job. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I wish there were more Klingon episodes that are like this one instead of the ones that are just kind of about 
what's going on at the high council you know that those are the ones that i think are kind of a little bit more more dull this was this was a i think actually kind of a, a successful look into like what that culture is is like do you know what are some other uh what are some other things you right any other notes that you haven't um you haven't, we haven't touched on yet um, i'm trying to think if there's anything else again i feel like i may have been a little harsh on it and especially now that you know, we kind of talk about it is because I, I do agree with you. It's it's a good way of of really kind of understanding the Klingon culture a lot better than I feel like a lot of other ones do. Whereas other ones will just kind of go straight to the like Klingon politics, which is I, f- I find less interesting. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I thought the performances were were really good. I mean, especially uh, Worf and and Jedzia. Yeah. So what's yeah? Who who's the actor who plays? Uh, Martok. We should probably call him out. Oh, his yeah. name. His name is J. G. Hertzler. So that's mm-hmm. yeah. And he's he, you know he's good too. Not not as I didn't like the vicious like Warfer or uh, Jazzy, but he did a good job too. And I, I guess I think you know definitely good job to Ronald Moore, Lavar Burton. Uh, I don't think it was bad. Uh, you know most of it t- t- does play, take place on a Klingon ship, which is yeah. always the worst lit place that you're going to <laughs> yep, see in a Star Trek show dark and cramped um, and but it's i mean that's on purpose it just looks like it would be a bad time to be on a clown ship basically so yeah. but which they all are into you know right. uh yeah my i i had a couple of little notes uh one of which was why well, i i should have said this when i was talking about terry farrell but at one point, all of the klingons sing basically basically sing like some sort of camp song like it's like a, a, a Christian camp song in Klingon about about Kalos, <laughs> uh, their god Kalos. That's that's pretty fun. And Worf is kind of trying to like get everyone yeah, into it. it and none in, of in that, wants in that to, sense, it then, is very much like a Christian camp song, right? Is he having? Yeah, like, the yeah. One, he's the he's the counselor who's trying to get all the enthusiastic students to to do it. At, at, at one point, like uh, Jadzia is also singing with him because she knows Klingon, and then she actually really like elbows really hard, like someone standing next to her to get them to. To get to get them to start singing, yeah, so that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, and then and at the then, at the at the end, it, when they're like really going into battle, then then they all then the crew, I think themselves, start singing. Is it is it the same song or? I think it is. I yeah, it yeah. Is. It and and this is another interesting, I feel like, cultural thing that they. I guess you could say they did a good job of on the show. Is that like Klingon music is just at least to my ear, has so little in common with what I considered music. Yeah, you remember the uh, the episode, uh, the real-life episode, where the Doctor's hologram son starts listening to Klingon music? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't have, you know, anything that... Which I guess, like, is such a culturally defined... You know, we think of music as being, kind of being by certain definitions, but... But it doesn't have like what what we would consider like a rhythm or meter or melody or it's very kind of dissonant and I I don't know I think it's they do a good job of making it seem very alien I suppose mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that was that was fun uh, I we talked about a lot about blood wine in this episode which is a Klingon drink and I looked it up and there is there is some question it's never been officially confirmed or denied if blood wine does in fact have uh, blood in it as one of the ingredients like hmm. uh, it's never been officially confirmed there's like this there's like this kind of semi not really canon star trek reference book that at one point said that it does have fermented blood in it but 
no one's ever really officially confirmed or denied that, but it kind of it seemed like it did have blood in it from this episode, the way they were talking about it, especially because they it seemed like they kind of would often drink it in correspondence with like winning some sort of uh, conflict. But uh, I, I was kind of I was definitely curious about that. Um, the two other things, two little things that I thought just kind of weird. Um, one of which is. <laughs> So when they get to the the Cardassian border and they see the Bamath and Martok is kind of thinking about whether or not he wants to go in there and he ultimately decides not to. And he he goes to his ready room and he says, Worf, you have the bridge. And then he walks out and then I was like, he has the bridge for what purpose? Like if if they came here (laughs) to to rescue the ship... Like, why are you just hanging out here now? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't say to anyone, well, we need to turn back around, back go back to Deep Space Mine. He just says, we're not going in there, and I'm leaving. And then, <laughs> and then just, like, I think it's implied, like, for, like, the next, like, ten minutes that they just kind of sit there. And it, it was just, like, a, I don't know what Martok was... Like, was he just hoping that eventually the ship would just kind of accidentally, like, drift over the side of the, the border? Or what was, his, what was his game plan there? That's a good, that's a good question. Um... <laughs> And then, uh, uh, yeah, the other thing was that, you know, as you were saying, there's like probably like three scenes on Deep Space Nine that kind of allow the other cast members to make an appearance before the uh, before the show is um, before the show is over. And in one of them, uh, Kira is telling the other people who are left on the ship what their jobs are going to be while Worf is gone, because basically, since since Worf is not going to be around, uh, everyone else has to pick up some of his duties to uh, to help keep the space station running. And I believe in that, yeah, no, definitely. Like in, in that conversation, she gives Jadzia a, like some jobs to do. Like tasks to do. And then, and then in the next, in the next scene, you find out that Jadzia is going with, and like it's apparently been planning this for a bit of time anyway, or, or you know, like or since she heard that Worf was going to do it. So I was kind of like, why did yeah, she, she tell like, Kira that she was everything. not going to be there? Like that seems kind of <laughs> rude. <laughs> that, yeah. But uh, anyway, that, this like, yeah, there's a few things like that, like in this episode where I'm like, you know, why did that happen? Why do they have carpet in this hospital? <laughs> you know, like why why did why did uh, why did Martok just leave them at the border with no discernible goal? Where it doesn't not a lot of stuff necessarily worked like on a, a logical level, but I did overall enjoy this episode uh, quite a bit. So, uh, you you have anything else? That's all I got. Okay. Well, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. In the you know, in the meantime, you can go listen to past episodes at outofcontracts.podbean.com, or you can email us at contracts uh, at, uh, at gmail or outofcontracts at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at contracts. Contracts is spelled C O N T R E K S. And definitely also go check out the other shows that are on Kaleidoscope. Uh, again, that's uh, that's not how science works. And here's Johnny and Wizard Studies. And next time we will be talking about. Uh, this is exciting. This is going to be our 25th episode the next time. Yeah. And we are, and we are talking about the, the pilot of Voyager, which is called Caretaker. It's season one, episode one of Voyager. So that would yeah. be an exciting one to talk about. Yeah, and everything will finally make sense now. And I think we're going to kind of have some guests by proxy, not actually with us, but we had planned to have a guest with us that did not end up working out. But I think that the the ghosts of the people we watched this episode with will be... 
uh, readily apparent in the upcoming episodes. So uh, hopefully that will be an enjoyable one for you guys too. But yeah, and so you can check that out if you want uh, in the intervening two weeks. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye.